Hi guys, welcome back to Nothing But The Tooth by The Campbell Academy. My name is Colin Campbell and in this uh, edition of our little show we're going to be speaking to the genius that is Ronnie Young. I don't know what I would consider as big achievements. Obviously the measurable achievements are the soccer and the soccer things but now looking back now from my standpoint obviously the family are the is the biggest achievement yeah. you can you can have from that point of view. These are the non-measurable parts but at the end of the day the big achievement is that you try to really stay curious in your life trying to look at the things primarily in a positive way. I'm tired of people always complaining and then seeing everything in a negative way and that's actually I would like to be surrounded by people which uh, which have a spirit of positivism and enthusiasm. So today we're in the middle of uh, this fabulously and enormously exciting masterclass that we've been looking forward to for ages where we managed to invite one of the most famous and sort of high-level implant clinicians in the world to come to Lowly Nottingham to speak to us. And so we're going to chat to, to Ronnie Young who's with us for two days and I met Ronnie Gosh, it's nearly four years ago or three years ago when we, we lectured a little bit together. He was top of the bill in London and I was like third support act. And he is the chairman of the Department of Reconstructive Dentistry at the University of Zurich. And University of Zurich is now classed or graded as about the eighth best dental school in the world, but heading way into the top five and beyond um, under Ronnie stewardship and leadership. He is a, an implant surgeon, a, a restorative clinician, a periodontist by, by stealth and a disruptive researcher and, a, and an, an amazing teacher. It, it has, it feels to us here a bit like the culmination of our efforts over the last sort of seven years to, to try to put together something special for our delegates. So I'm going to say no more and just to say hi to Ronnie and say thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Colin, for uh, having me here. And uh, I think I have to say this, the whole setup, how it started, it has been different than any other courses so far. Uh, usually this is more on the business wise, but uh, doing it with you and the academy, that it was really an act out of friendship and uh, and and so much enthusiasm. And also today, the uh, the atmosphere within the class is so different to many of the classes I've ever seen. It's a very, it's a very professional atmosphere, but it's also an atmosphere which you can really go beyond just techniques where you really can teach on the level of uh, what really makes you a successful dentist uh, in our discipline. I, I don't know how much you remember this. We had such fun when we first met. People, when you occupy the position that you occupy, it's people hold you in great regard and high reverence. And so when you're not there, people go, oh, it's Ronnie's coming. And the flight was late that, that day in London and everybody was going, oh, Ronnie's going to be really upset or he'll be tired. And, and it was like I was waiting for like you two to arrive or Ed Sheeran <laughs> or somebody like this. We hit it off really quickly because I, I have generally limited respect for anybody. I don't expect to be respected. And it's not, it's just a case of, I think everybody's the same, aren't they? We had this discussion already. But one of the things you did, which you'll not remember, or you don't realize that you did, is that we had a chat and you saw that we did my lecture, we did a little fly through of the new clinic and things. And when we opened here in the January or early February, which was the pandemic was starting, you emailed me and, and said, someone's told me that you've opened your clinic. And, and I was so touched by that. It was such a tough time for us. And I thought, Ronnie Young has emailed me to say, well done. And I, I was just blown away. And that's what I found so special about you is you're such a, a lovely, genuine guy. So what's fascinating and what I want to get into now, and Nancy, our editor, is looking at me now saying stop talking, is I want to go back to what made you what you are. Okay. And you've just explained that to us here, but shall we talk about the, the different iterations of Ronnie Young from the musician and through that? And you tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so they actually, I, I did a start uh, totally spontaneous. It was not, not planned at all. It was actually, again, inspired by uh, our taxi uh, ride here uh, to, the, to the academy. And uh, I thought, okay, just give them a little bit more background about where I came from. And actually, I came back, uh, I started, uh, the musician was just uh, the very first thing I did. But then I was actually heavily into, into football. And I spent actually 12 years in the, in the Grasshopper Zurich soccer club which is considered still be the, the, the most successful club in Switzerland. And when I turned 18, I became a professional contract uh, as a professional football player. And this is something which actually was never looking forward to in that way. So I approach things in life just with being enthusiastic about that. And, uh, and I was never expecting to be, uh, become a professional football player. And, uh, so I was really happy to get this contract, uh, and that happened that I focused primarily on, on, uh, on football, but as life, uh, always, uh, can change, I had a very serious uh, leg injury there, which I had, uh, bone fractures, uh, missing now 15 centimeters of my fibula and that, uh, yeah, that needs to have a change in life. And, and there's always two ways to look in life. Either you kind of be so sad what happened there, or you just are enthusiastic about what door opens there. And as I couldn't walk at the beginning, I was uh, doing my job as a pizza delivery guy at first, and then I continued to be a taxi driver and, and then moved on to larger vehicles at, at a bus driver license and uh, ended up by doing the official hop on, hop off tour drive uh, sightseeing in Zurich uh, as a bus driver there. And, and then after doing this, I, I thought, okay, that cannot be the, the end of my career. What really fascinated me at that time point through the injuries I had there with my, with my bones was really going into bone physiology and understanding bone physiology. And with that in mind, I started at the medical school to become an orthopedic surgeon and at the end ended up, uh, switching to dental school, but still with my passion to bone regeneration and ending up now as a dentist, love treating complex cases, uh, comprehensive from the patient management to the final reconstruction and, and bone still is a very important part, but also understood that uh, we're not treating bones. We are treating human beings, which are so different. And the success of our treatment is primarily dependent on the management, how we are able to handle our patients. This brings up so much stuff because several times we've had this conversation actually when, cause I went to Switzerland last November and we tried to meet and schedules wouldn't work and ridiculously we did a zoom call where I was in one part of Zurich and you were in another, <laughs> which is crazy, yes. right? And, um, but we, that's where we first touched on this point. There is a piece of media that I go back to a lot. There was an English philosopher called Alan Watts. It's, I'll show you this later. I think his son has put a lot of his work to music and to visuals. And he did something called Tragedy and Hope. And the point of Tragedy and Hope is do what you love and someone will buy it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more on that. Tell us about, because I want to talk about your midlife crisis, your two-week midlife crisis. Yes. Right? Before we go back to your influence on other people. So explain to the listeners here about, I had my midlife crisis when I was 25. Really, you were always more mature than everybody else. It was just good to get it out of the way. Right? I had my mortality <laughs> crisis and all that stuff at 25. So it's, it's magic. I'm 50 now. It was 25 years ago. I can't even remember it. But your midlife crisis, you had a planned two-week midlife crisis, yeah? Exactly. As you said, I also wanted to get rid of it and you started even, you're always the more intelligent than I am. <laughs> that was clear from the very beginning on when we met. Uh, and so as I was then later understanding, yes, there is a midlife crisis. And then I thought, okay, let's keep it as short as possible. Give it two weeks over Christmas period and, and, and thinking what really makes me happy in life. 
whether I'm going to be an amazing search and disruptive research, whatever. And I really truly understood what makes me most happy. And this is what we do today in a very precious, nice way. This is sharing knowledge with other people. And in a way that you really, uh, there's nothing to hide. Because today you got a lot of lectures or kind of conferences where you just see a part of a story and often is sometimes even meant not to provide with all the details because that makes you more exclusive. Because when I'm the only one can do something, then it makes me more exclusive compared to others. But that's the most opposite thing uh, in terms of my philosophy, because in order to be a, a teacher, we need to have an overall aim to really provide more patients with better treatments. And that's only possible to really spread the knowledge in a most honest and yeah, unbiased way to the dentist, which can take up that and be hopefully as successful as, uh, as we are in order to let more patient profit from that. But you use, and I think we're similar in this regard. Well, I, I would aspire to be similar, but you use storytelling in your teaching a lot. And I think the most successful teachers are storytellers first. And so you have just told a story to us about a young man who came to see you to have an essential incisor replaced who was a medical student. And so you've told the story of him and you use full uh, length photographs and you, and you do that wonderful thing where you go, this is Jonathan, he likes playing football and you go beyond the case. But I don't know whether you've connected the dots here. I wondered this while we were talking because that young man, he was a medical student, wasn't he? As, as you were. Yes. And he then, he was treated by you, infected by your enthusiasm and your team's enthusiasm, I'm sure, and your environment and what you've produced. And as a result of that, had his wonderful treatment carried out and then changed his pathway and then became a dentist and now is a dentist in your department. Yes. And, and so that degree of influence is, is staggering because he will go on to treat thousands and thousands of people where he would not have done had he not crossed your path. That's true. So that is quite extraordinary, isn't it? And we have a similar story here to various people here. We have a, a hygienist, for example, Emma, who works with us, who did work experience with me when she was 15 and wanted to be a dentist. And she didn't get to dental school, but she decided to go to hygiene. And she's now been one of our hygienists here for years. And there's a countless people like this. And I think that your ability to, to tell a story, to create a narrative for people, you, could, you can have all the scientific knowledge in the world, but I won't remember it if you don't put it into a story context. Isn't that true? Exactly. This is something which I did actually uh, intuitively uh, for uh, years that I always try to, because people have always said, how do you make the, these presentations? And I think the biggest mistake in terms of being, uh, doing make, um, presentations is that people want to show their great cases. Mm -hmm. So they're so heavily driven to show these uh, pictures, but these are just pictures. They're very uh, superficial and they don't stimulate areas of the brain, which you can remember there because they see so many of these pictures. Mm -hmm. But when we start to build first a story and then to bring the pictures into that story, these pictures become meaningful. And these pictures, you have other areas of the brain, which is, uh, which is proven with the neuroscience, are stimulated, which will remember you through the story, the case and the conclusions and the results out of this case. So I meet people from Asia, which said, yeah, I remember you 11 years ago where you showed this guy, the skier, uh, which uh, uh, had that and that accident. So that's actually what I want. So they yeah. remember the skier and through that, they remember yeah, then what trigger, has been teached with that. 
Times are changing massively in dentistry for everyone. And if you are interested in making your business better or understanding more how to improve your business to either take yourself out of the NHS and into private dentistry or develop your private and independent dental practice to the maximum capacity, then we run a year-long business course for you to develop your own business plan for the next three years. It's called the Campbell Academy Business Course. The next edition starts in September 2022 and there are still two places left just now for anyone who might be interested in taking the leap to the next level. Hope to see you there. Going back to your, your pre-dental history, okay, because you told me today about your history of your grandfather's business and the entrepreneurial nature of that. And we talked about learning work ethics from our fathers and all of this, which I think we both have in different ways. But before you be- became a dentist, what was your biggest achievement before that? That's a good question. I never thought about it because I, I never consider of trying to achieve big achievements. I, I'm somebody which is really, which is very driven by, I, I love, I love interaction with people, number one. And number two, I get very easily inspired by, by different things. And I'm a strong believer that I, I, I could have done in many different areas and many different disciplines, and I would have been happy there. So I don't know what I would consider as big achievements. Obviously the measurable achievements are the soccer, uh, the, the, the soccer things. But now looking back now from my standpoint, obviously the, the, the family are the, is the biggest achievement yeah. you can, you can have from that point of view. These are the non-measurable parts. Uh, but at the end of the day, the big achievement is that you try to really stay curious in your life, at trying to look at the things primarily in a positive way. Yeah. I'm tired of people always complaining and then seeing everything in a negative way. And that's actually, I would like to be surrounded by people which, uh, which have a spirit of positivism and enthusiasm. I think we'll probably one of the phrases we'll take from this masterclass is the one that your wife uses to describe you, you said, which is aggressive positivity. <laughs> which is a fabulous <laughs> phrase, right? Aggressively positive. For someone, sitting across the table from someone who is quite obviously such a huge influencer, but with such a huge degree of humility, that's what comes across is your humility and your sort of almost refusal to accept. You go about your work with a curiosity, which I think the more people I speak to who are high-performing individuals who love their work, it's the curiosity. When we lose the curiosity, then we change, don't we? Mm-hmm. We should then change our job. Mm-hmm. But who influenced you? Who was your biggest influences then? Who inspired you through your training? You challenged me in really good, very good questions. Uh, so number one, I think the person which actually brought me to dentistry was the, the father of one of my best friends from high school, which was one of the pioneers of GBR and GTR in dentistry in Switzerland. And he was also a very enthusiastic person. And he actually influenced me in a way to say, listen, don't become an orthopedic surgeon. Just step into dentistry because dentistry gives you so much more in terms of not just uh, having a functional aspect, which orthopedic surgeon is primarily, it's about function. Uh, you have the aesthetic aspects and you have dealing in the, with the mouse. It's such a, uh, an area of a lot of emotional stress for a patient. So it's not just providing them back with a nice teeth and a good function. It's giving them back quality of life and giving them back also self-confidence. Yeah. How many patients we treat which have said, listen, for years, there was no picture anymore, neither on the wedding picture yeah. nor on the first child was born, whatever, where we were smiling, showing teeth because we were embarrassed to show these. And having then a chance to really giving them really a smile, that is really, that's an amazing feeling. And so he definitely influenced me a lot, but I 
I try to really be inspired by a lot of people. So I'm not a, a typical, I follow one guy. Yeah. So I think you need to take the bits and pieces from different people and try to make your own picture out of that. And uh, on the way there, I have feel a lot of people which influenced me. For instance, Klaus Lang influenced me also a lot because his enthusiasm for research is amazing. Jan Linde and impressed me a lot yeah. from the way he approached things. And uh, and the first private office which I worked in, his name is Claude Andrew. He's a famous Swiss dentist, uh, not internationally known. And he influenced me a lot by how to handle patients. So he was a very... He has a very friendly approach to patient. It was never this doctor-patient relationship, so it's a team approach. And that's what I learned from him. So also, you need to find different role models in order to complete your way how you're going to be. Yeah. yeah, you can pick these pieces that, that, that I think the better you can customize to what fits to you at the end. And to conclude, I think the most important thing is just to be authentic. Yeah. Because you cannot play being happy. And you cannot be on stage trying to make a great show when you're not authentic. Yeah. Because the people, they realize when it's not true or not. So I think part of the success is also that what I'm doing and what I'm telling is really what I live for. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's, uh, that's maybe the and that comes part. across entirely. Okay, wrapping this towards the end. Okay, I have, I have two questions for, for you to finish with. So for someone who has this huge enthusiasm for their work across different disciplines, and I would, I always said to be a good clinician is extremely difficult and to be a good teacher is extremely difficult and to be a good researcher is extremely difficult, but to be all three is nigh on impossible. But to hold the position that you hold in the way that you do, I, I need to know then what are your, which is in order to give me um, energy to move forward myself and to give me inspiration. I want to know, first of all, what your hopes are for the future of dentistry. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I want to know what your hopes are for the future for your children. Um, thank you very much. I love this interview <laughs> very much. In my new role as, a, as now as a professor and chairman and clinic director in uh, the University of Zurich, I spent a lot of time in order to try to understand where is dentistry heading to? Because I don't want to educate dentists because I have a responsibility of now of what they're going to be educated in. And I don't want them to educate that they look back 20 years and 30 years and they listen. This Ron Young is a crazy guy. He teached us things which we never used at the end of the day. So I want to really prepare them for the future. And so I have a lot of projects going on, which we, which have been dedicated to Dentistry 2050. And to wrap up there, that would be too long story. But number one, I strongly believe that dentistry will become significantly less mechanic, more biologic. And we become, when we would like to have a chance to survive, we need to become more closer to medicine. So we become more kind of uh, more doctors and not mechanics anymore. Yeah. Because I told you I'm, I'm very much also into robotics and mm -hmm. we have really done there a lot of progress for optimization, kind of tooth preparation. Because to be honest, it's ridiculous how we still drill uh, holes uh, into patients' uh, teeth. And today, optimization has been so progress in so many areas. Yeah. And it's a joke because we prepare the same way as uh, 80 years ago. Yeah. Maybe the drills are a little bit more fancy, but at the end of the day, it's the same. We are very good in diagnostics, but transferring this diagnostic into the patient's mouth is still done based on, on my imagination. Yes, through augmented reality, we do have maybe possibility to have the uh, glasses which allow us to visualize how it will be in the future, but it's still a mechanical process which depends too much on your personal daily form. 
whether I'm tired, whether I had a fight, whether uh, I'm worried, whether I whatever. And this should not be anywhere the case. And I think there will be a lot done in this way. So the dentist become much more a doctor, which has more diagnostic tasks to do, including everything related to oral health within within our area of, uh, of expertise. And it's going away from a tooth doctor. It's yep. going to be a comprehensive oral health doctor. And what about for your children? You have three children. Your eldest is 15, isn't she? Yes. So, and a broader question, and I know this is a ridiculous question, but for someone who influences so many people in the world, what, what are your hopes for them? I hope that for me, a thing which I everyday challenge is actually to provide them with the right values, because I think we had a nice talk when mm -hmm. we were in the car. We both grew up in environments which things were not just there. We had fathers which uh, really worked very hard in order to achieve what they have achieved. And now these kids, they have been, on the one hand, the access to all information you, you want to have immediately. And they can basically travel wherever they want uh, uh, and uh, we can facilitate them doing this. And I think finding the right values for them, which give perspective in life uh, to what to achieve is a, is an everyday challenge. And at the end of the day, what every father and mother wants in life is having the children most happy. Yeah. Because one thing which you have learned in life is, and you can never understand is when you not have kids, is that the love you have towards kids, this is uncomparable to yeah, anybody else. So your yeah. best friends, your, your whatever, it's, this is something which is uncomparable and you just want to have the best for your kids. And it is a, a challenging time period, but what we cannot prepare them for everything, they need to take over then their responsibility as well. But what we can do is providing them with an openness, with the enthusiasm, and correct values in order to uh, to really they can value what they have and uh, and prepare themselves for the future. Okay. The last question that we ask everybody that we do this with is: So you're fifty, yeah? So we're the same age. I, I, I do want to make it clear here that you are a few months older than me, even though you don't look it. But if you take everything that you've learned, okay, and everything that you know now, and if you met your twenty-one-year-old self now, what's the one piece of advice that you would give your twenty-one-year-old self, knowing what you know now? My 21-year-old myself, yeah. just keep always uh, the curiosity, uh, having this curiosity and do the enthusiasm and being open for what comes there. N none of my plans actually worked out. That sounds ridiculous because people think my CV is so planned and everything fits so together. But to tell you the truth, nothing worked out actually how I planned it. Nothing. But I kept always in every situation, everything as an opportunity and not as a threat and taking these opportunities and trying to really uh, do it in the best way possible with all your enthusiasm and your power. So that was just fabulous. And so I would conclude, I think, and finish by saying that I think when I grew up, for ages, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. But I think when I grew up, I probably would quite like to be Ronnie Young. And so thank you. It's such an honor. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Blimey, that was extraordinary. So what we hope to do in this podcast is speak to influential people and get some gems and nuggets from their lives to help us along the road. And I that I almost, I lost track of time in that conversation because Ronnie is such a genuine, humble and an influential guy. And so I hope that you got even a part of as much as I did out of that and, and look out for what's coming next because we plan to do more and more with equally as influential people, incredible people who can help inspire us to be better versions of ourselves. See you later. <laughs>